Good morning. Let's turn together to Paul's letter to the Romans. would like to read a portion of the 8th chapter. Paul's letter to the Romans, uh, chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Paul writes, and he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... They are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Probably most of us that are here this morning have heard testimonies of those that have given their life to the Lord. And probably one of the most common themes or expressions and experiences of of those that have become a child of God in regards to their conversion experience is that they tried to do it on their own and they failed. And we hear that expressed so many times when we hear people share their testimony, and, and many of us that are God's children have made that very same experience, having felt the call of God, having that desire to, to surrender and give your life to, to God, go about that um, experience of repentance and conversion, only to, in a sense, fall flat on our face as the expression goes, simply because we go about it the wrong way. And that can, can so, so easily, um, happen. Um, 
Paul wrote, I think it was to the Corinthians, um, let's see if I can find it quickly here. Um, sorry, I can't find it. But what he said to them is that they were ignorant of God's righteousness and rather went about to establish their own righteousness not recognizing that the righteousness that can be had by us is only through faith in Jesus Christ. And really, for each of us that are God's children, we had to come to that place in our lives where we recognized that our doing, our efforts to become righteous, to become good enough, simply fail. And doing it on our own, trying on our own, will not succeed in establishing that relationship with God. And we come to the realization as we read in, in Romans chapter 5 verse 1 that we are simply justified by faith. And that's how we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And furthermore, when we can read in, in Ephesians where the Bible very clearly tells us that we are saved by grace and through faith and that that is not of ourselves, that it is a gift of God. And salvation comes about when we submit ourselves to the righteousness of God. And this is so important for those that are here this morning that are not yet God's children, that desire to be God's children. If we could only spare you the, the trouble of trying to figure it out and do it on your own by simply submitting yourselves to the righteousness of God, which was accomplished on the cross by Jesus Christ. Because it's not our own works. It is only the work of Christ on the cross that brings about salvation. And it's that realization in our conversion experience that we need to be reminded about throughout our Christian lives. Because when we become a child of God, we receive the Spirit of God into our hearts and into our lives. And that puts us into a place, into a position where we are right with God. We read that in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Spirit, with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of the of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, becomes the mark in a believer's life that we are the children of God, that we belong to him. And it is the Spirit of God living in us that really defines who we are. And we read that in our, in our text here this morning very clearly when it says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You cannot be a Christian without possessing and having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that is so necessary. We have the Holy Spirit, but yet we are in the flesh. And this presents a problem. 
This presents a challenge for every one of us as God's children. And it is that, that dynamic that, that this scripture that we are, uh, have read together here is talking about. And if I would give this, this message a title, I would call it The War Within. Recently we, we, we looked, I looked at, um, the armor of God with you, all the different pieces of armor. And the spiritual warfare that we are in fighting against Satan and all the, the, the darkness and the wickedness that comes in so many forms in the world around us. And we're so very aware of that. But this text shows us that there is also a war within, a war that is waging within us between our flesh and the spirit that lives within us. In other words, this body of the flesh that we are in, but also the spirit of God that dwells in our hearts as believers. And it's the Apostle Paul um, expounds on this in chapter 8. He does that in the context of the things that he has shared in the previous chapter, in chapter 7. A chapter that I think most every one of us um, believer or unbeliever, can relate to very well. When we read verses like this, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now it's debatable whether the Apostle Paul, and it is, has, has been and will be debated, whether he was speaking here about his life before he was a Christian or, or as a Christian. What is not debatable though is that every one of us, even as Christians, at times in our lives, struggle with this dynamic of doing things that we don't want to do and not doing things that we want to do or should do. And, and, and this fight, this battle within, between our flesh and the spirit. And that is so, so evident of this, this war that is, that is going on. And yet, as we move into chapter eight, the, the apostle Paul addresses this tension between the flesh and the spirit. And we read that uh, in, in a number of, of the verses that we've read together here, um, where it talks about uh, not walking after the flesh, but after the spirit, of, of being, carn- uh, being spiritually minded rather than being carnally minded. Or in verse 13, it says, For if we live after the flesh, we will die. But if we through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And, and all of these verses speak very clearly to this ongoing battle. Many of us that are older will remember Brother Tony Betts often uh, in a testimony night would, would make a comment to the converts and, and just remind them and, and of the fact that our flesh and blood did not repent and that that battle will continue and we are so aware of that. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote um, this, he also wrote similar things and especially to the Galatians. Um, 
identifying this this battle. Now the Galatian situation was was somewhat different in that they were being influenced by those that were known as Judaizers, those that were insisting that Gentile believers needed to keep the law in order to become to be Christians, that they would have to be circumcised and, and keep uh, the different ordinances, especially the ceremonial aspects of the law. And the Apostle Paul, in writing Galatians, really addresses this and, and, and in a sense, tries to, to correct them in their wrong thinking. And he addresses them very strongly when, when he says to them, um, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Then he goes on in verse 3 to say, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect in the flesh? And so their situation was one of reverting or insisting or believing that they had to maintain the Mosaic law in order to be Christians. And Paul says, you began in the Spirit. You began by understanding that right, being righteous before God comes only through faith in Jesus Christ and what he did. And now you're going back and trying to, to be a Christian um, or insisting that to be a Christian you have to do these works of the law. But beloved, for, for you and I that are God's children, we can find ourselves in a similar place where we too, having begun in the Spirit, having come to that realization that we couldn't convert on our own, that we needed to simply submit ourselves to the righteousness of God and let Him do it in our life, change us and transform us, that we can then go back and try to do it on our own unsuccessfully. And that simply does not work. When we rely on the flesh, when we rely on our own strength to live out the Christian life, when instead we need to rely on the Spirit of God that is living in us, that has become a part of our life, and that will enable us, as this text and others also remind us, that we need to... Live in the Spirit. Why? Because it also defines us as who we are. Because in this 14th verse here, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Being led by the Spirit of God is a mark, just like the Holy Spirit is a mark of a believer. Being led by that spirit is also a mark of the believer. In Galatians 5.25, it says, if we live in the spirit, which is something that all of us as God's children claim that we do, that we live in the spirit, and that the spirit lives in us. In Galatians, it says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So what does this mean? to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit. And that's a broad subject, but it, it's really, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to, to really be um, everything that the Bible says we are? And to be these things is to understand, first of all, that we are no longer condemned. 
That we have a position with God through Christ of being righteous, being justified, being holy. And the Bible says very clearly here in this first verse, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If we are living the Christian life, then there is no more condemnation. It doesn't mean that we're perfect and that we never sin, and that there isn't judgment for those things, or that don't, we don't need to be corrected. Yes, but there is no eternal condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus because we have been justified before God through Jesus Christ. And we need to, even as we can read also in Romans, that we need to reckon ourselves or dead unto sin. Consider ourselves that, that we are no longer alive unto sin, but dead to sin and alive unto God. And that's so much of what this... Uh, this reading that we have had here speaks about. It says here, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Quicken or make alive. That Spirit living within us makes us alive so that we can be led by him, so that we can walk with the Spirit, that we can... Live in the Spirit in our lives. To be living in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit is to be spiritually minded. We read that so clearly in this text. It says, For they, in verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally Minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can be. And once again, here we see that battle within, that struggle between our flesh, our physical bodies, and all that that entails, and the spirit that lives within us in our hearts, and the two, how that they war against each other. And how we need to, to also, as it says in Romans chapter 8, um, be crucified with Christ, this body of the flesh. And become spiritually minded because that is what will maintain that peace that we want to have with God. In Romans chapter 12, in this, we have to be reminded that Paul is writing this to the Christians, to believers, and that we need to recognize that, that obtaining a perfect position of righteousness when we convert is something also that needs to be maintained in our lives. And needs to be maintained in different ways. And one of those is that we would be spiritually minded. As we are encouraged here in Romans 8 and also in Romans chapter 12. Where it says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. 
holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Without a doubt, when we become a child of God, our minds have been transformed. And we, we see and we think differently. But that is not a one-time occurrence. That is an ongoing experience for us as God's children, that our, our minds need to be daily renewed so that we would be spiritually minded because the world is forever pressing in on us and wanting us to be carnally minded, to be worldly minded, and to, to live in that way. And so it says here that we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice day by day that we would present our, ourselves before God and, and ask Him to transform us, to transform our minds and our thinking and our sight so that we would be able to see things spiritually. That, that we would, as it says in, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, that we would have the mind of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we need to be reminded that the Spirit of God is living in us. God himself. When Jesus, um, before he returned to heaven, he said, I will send the Spirit, that he will be in you, the Comforter. He will guide you in all truth, and he will teach you all things whatsoever I have spoken unto you. And I think if we had that realization that we bear within us a part of the Godhead, God himself through his Holy Spirit living in us, we we often say that Jesus is living in our hearts and it's really a reference to the Spirit of God living in us. But if that truth was present with us day by day, How would that transform us? How would that change us, knowing that God is living in us? Hopefully it would cause us that daily we want to present ourselves before God and ask him to to make us to be more spiritually minded, to be um, more in tune, to be that that living sacrifice. You know, often we... we, uh, We've probably said it, that we would be willing to to give our life to the Lord, to lay down our life and die for the Lord. But are we willing to do that on a daily basis? To lay down our life to serve the Lord. To crucify that flesh daily that wants to resurrect itself in our lives so easily. But that we would be renewed, as it says here, in our minds and renewed day by day so that we can live closely the way God wants us to live. But to be led by the Spirit and to walk in the Spirit um, is also, as the Bible talks about in Galatians, to be sowing in the Spirit. In chapter 6 of Galatians, verse 8, it says, um, actually, I'd like to read the, the verse before it. It says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life 
everlasting. We all understand the principle of sowing and reaping. How that the things that we do in life have consequences. And just like in the laws of nature, there's, there's this principle of sowing and reaping, so it is also true in everyone's life, believer or unbeliever. But for us that are Christians, we need to be reminded that because the Spirit of God is living in us, we should be sowing in the Spirit. And sowing those very things that will cause us to draw closer to God. For if we live after the Spirit, or sorry, if we live after the flesh we read, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. And this is the war within, this is the battle that we face daily, that we would daily mortify or put to death those things that displease God. That rather than sowing things that are corruptible, things that will draw us away from God, that we would be sowing things that will, will bring us closer to God and that will reap a spiritual harvest. That we will be able to, to be, as we've already spoken, to be more spiritually minded. Because we know here that being carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And don't we desire that? To really have that, that true spiritual life living within us and to be at peace with God. And so often it's the, the carnal mind and it's the, the, the things of this world that are robbing us of the peace that God wants to, us to have and also robbing us of the fruit that God wants his spirit to bring forth in our lives. Beloved, if we are living in the spirit and if we are walking in the spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in our lives. The fruit that we read about in Galatians, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, all of these things. Are they lacking in your life, in my life? And I think we, we readily need to admit that yes, at times, maybe not all of them, but certainly some of them, and some of them in varying degrees, these things are lacking. And that may simply be evidence of the fact that we are not spiritually minded, that our focus is in the wrong place so many times. It may be evidence that we are not sowing in the Spirit, that we are not doing those things that that will really reap a spiritual harvest, that the spiritual disciplines that we need to have in our life, in our lives are, are missing or are not there the way they should be, of, of being in tune with God through prayer, of reading and, and meditating on his word, letting God's word dwell in us richly of fellowshipping with believers and not forsaking the assembly, 
of, of, of having a heart of, of worship and praise towards God. All of these things are, are the sowing that we can do that will reap a spiritual harvest and especially reap the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And so if you or I, and we need to do that, examine ourselves. If we find ourselves in the midst of, of this, this war within, of the world pulling us in one direction and God trying to gently draw us back, into a closer walk with him. If we feel that dynamic happening, then we need to to apply ourselves in those areas of scripture that will help us to accomplish that and will help us to experience the fullness of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And to do that, we need to be intentional. It doesn't just simply um, happen by osmosis. Yes, the Spirit of God is given to us when we become a child of God, but we need to we need to nurture that in our lives. I'd like to read several verses here from Hebrews chapter twelve that also show us what we can do, what we must do in order to be walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. And, and having that influence in our lives. It tells us here that, that we should lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus knew that his ultimate goal was to be back with the Father. And he was able to endure and go through everything that he did in order to accomplish that goal. And for us, brothers and sisters, we have a goal to be in heaven, to be in the presence of God, And we need to strive also that we would not let the things of this world hold us back. Not only from reaching that goal, but also from experiencing the blessings and the rewards that God wants to give us one day. To do that, it says here, lay aside every weight and the sin. When I read this scripture, I can't help but think that that this idea of the weight... The scripture here seems to differentiate between weights and sin. Perhaps implying that there are things in life that war against the spirit that is living within us. That really become like weights that hold us back and hold us down and keep us from experiencing the presence and the fullness of God. The abundance that he wants us to live. So I challenge you, as I need to challenge myself this morning, to examine your life and ask yourself, what are the weights that are holding you down? Sin, hopefully we can more readily recognize and turn from it and, and, and uh, um, crucify that in our lives. But also recognizing what are the weights that we need to lay aside. The things that will prevent us from experiencing a rich, a rich harvest 
of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. And if we are lacking in that fruit, if that fruit isn't maturing in our life, maybe it is because there are too many weights that are preventing that from happening. And maybe it is also that that we are not filled with the Spirit as we are instructed um, in the Scriptures um, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, be filled with the Spirit. In contrast to, to drunkenness, um, but that's an admonition for all of us that we be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that begs a question. Can we have just part of the Holy Spirit in our life? Is that even a possible dynamic? If the Spirit of God is given to us when we become a child of God and indwells our heart, is there a dynamic that half of him leaves or or a portion of him leaves? No, I think not. Rather, it is the influence and the effect of the Holy Spirit in and on our life that can be diminished. His presence is still there. But when his power and effect is diminished, what begins to happen is what the Bible speaks about as quenching the Spirit or grieving the Spirit. The Spirit is there, but he is being suppressed. His voice is not being heard or acted on. And the, the fruit that he is trying to, to grow in us is being um, compromised because of the things that are crowding it out. And there's many other scriptures that we could go to that talk about how that can easily happen. I sometimes like to use the analogy of the Holy Spirit as being like oil, because the Bible speaks. Jesus spoke a parable of oil in the lamp, and it's understood that that is a reference to the Spirit of God. And if you have a, a glass of, of oil, and picture yourself as, as a child of God, we, will, we are to be filled with the Spirit. In other words, if, if that glass if our, was our hearts, our hearts should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you picture the world and its influences like water, you know that as soon as you would pour water into a full glass of, of oil, that water will sink to the bottom and it will displace the oil. The oil will start to come out. And I think that perhaps that could be a picture that we could relate to. As we, as we allow the, the world to come into our hearts, into our lives, it will inevitably displace the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And so that takes some examination for us that we would recognize how that can so easily happen. We are encouraged in all of this text, in the scriptures that we have read, 
to walk in the Spirit. The Bible tells us in Galatians that um, if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's almost like an equation. That the result of walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being in the Spirit, is that we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so if we find ourselves succumbing to that in our lives, that probably is evidence that we are not walking in the Spirit as we ought to. But if we live after, um, or if, the, if through the Spirit we mortify the deeds of the body, we shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We have not received a spirit of bondage that, that holds us back in any part of the life that the sinful life that we had, but rather a spirit that is liberating and frees us to live as God wants us to live. And that is walking away from sin, walking in light and not in darkness, walking hand in hand with God, not not going before him and without him, but allowing him to lead us through our lives. We are walking in the Spirit when the desires produced by the Spirit are greater than those that are produced by the flesh. That's a check. It's a check that we can do on our spiritual life and how much we are walking in the Spirit. It begs a question from each of us. Do the desires of the flesh, especially sinful desires, wrong desires, do those desires outweigh the desires of the Spirit that we should have in our lives? If we truly are walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit, we can and we will be able to experience Not only the abundant life that God wants us to have, but also, ultimately, the eternal life with him in heaven.